how is the, the work culture? You understand it, you fit it, you, you sit together in one room and decide that, hey, this, this clicks, we can do great things together. But when you're moving from 50 to 70, hmm. you're suddenly coming back from four days of holidays and you're meeting five new people <laughs> in your office. You've never seen them, you've never read their email, you've never talked to them, and yet they are there working with you. And two things can happen. We are here for another Lean and Mean episode of the Cold Star Project. Today, our guest is Matt Gerletto. Matt, you and I have chatted before a little bit, and I really thought, wow, I've got to have this guy on the show. I think we talked for about 40, 45 minutes last time about uh, the thing that we're going to cover today, which is managing change and leadership as you grow, as you scale. And you have a lot to share in this department. So why don't we begin by uh, having you tell us a little bit about your business and who your customer is and that kind of thing. Um, okay, so I'm a tech founder from uh, Central Europe, from Poland. Um, I started my first business at uh, second year of university, which was apparently 13 years ago, <laughs> sadly. Um, anyway, it wasn't very serious at that time. I was just uh, focused on making enough money to live my student life comfortably. So I would basically drop any contract before holidays and only pick up on business when my bank account is way below zero. Um, but around 2012, um, uh, I decided I want to get serious about it. And, and this is my dream that I want to chase. Uh, this was with the time when I hired the first person uh, permanently. And uh, he's still on board, uh, one of our senior developers. Uh, we are now around 70 people. Uh, last year, we've doubled our revenue uh, year over year. Um, our main business is uh, helping startups and enterprises build new software products. Uh, but apart from that, we have invested in three startups uh, of our own, uh, raising uh, seed money from micro venture capitals. And uh, all of those products are on the market and uh, finding their niches right now uh, over two years. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of experience juggling with um, different uh, businesses at the same time. I've experimented with uh, crazy things like construction business and importing uh, some uh, excavators from China um, on the way because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I didn't really care what would be the space of this entrepreneurial mm -hmm. journey. Uh, but I ended up doing things that I know about, uh, which is IT, and I think mm -hmm. it's good, firstly for my customers and secondly for my team and thirdly for me. So. Right. And you've grown, right now. you've grown your team to how many? Uh, We're close to 70 right now. Okay. So it's, it's a large number compared to a lot of what we see uh, in the Facebook groups and, uh, and whatnot out there. Yeah, well, but, you know, we are primarily the service company, which is mm -hmm. uh, much different because mm -hmm. uh, the scale changes with people. So we have the more business we have, the more people we need. Mm -hmm. If you compare it to a SaaS, especially a self-service SaaS with low tickets, uh, your challenges in scaling are mostly in marketing and uh, your operations scale by, you know, just using the scale on your AWS configuration. Uh, but when you scale with people, you come with uh, certain challenges that you don't see in, uh, in the businesses that can, um, that can, you know, grow fast and grow big 
without hiring that many people. Okay. So for somebody who's running a service type business where there's a lot of human interaction, that's the kind of person that we're really looking to help. Um, I'd say so. Yes. Okay. And I miss, I miss this kind of knowledge. I, I'm not sure how it goes in, uh, in Canada or in States, but, uh, here in central Europe, you have a lot of very good events on marketing, on growth, on sales, on, uh, um, on software development for different technologies and uh, some you know, generic conferences about startups and future, but there's very little knowledge, very little um, you know, shared experience about certain changes that you need to do in order to level up your organization. Hmm. And this is something that no one says. You need to level up. There are huge differences at different stages of your organization and it goes across all of the activities it starts from your role as a leader uh it goes through all of the operations the finance the way you uh, acquire customers the way you retain them there are certain things that you have to stop doing if you want to advance and that means that you need to go off balance and being mm. off balance is hard so uh Having a strategy of going from point A to point B uh, for me today is one of the most important things. And uh, I believe that if I, if I started to manage this company strategically earlier, we would be a few years uh, ahead compared to where we are right now. And in fact, if you look at our uh, revenue, you can find it out. Uh, we doubled from 2016 to 2017. But uh, we, we lost half of the revenue from 2015 uh, to 2016. Hmm. And um, that was due to uh, several reasons. And one of them was definitely not being prepared to scale. And we've been bouncing from this glass ceiling and not knowing what's wrong. Hmm. So we've been doing things the way we do. And we've been growing very fast, sometimes doubling each year, sometimes plus 50%. And then suddenly we, we just couldn't grow anymore, even though we've been continuing to do things as they were. And this is when we find out that getting from 30 people to probably 100 or 150 is a completely different job than getting to 30 from 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is where the deep organizational changes started with us. And I think that this helped us grow. So tell us a bit more about that. Uh, uh, you said a couple things there that really stood out to me. The, the one about being off balance and, and getting comfortable with that. A little bit more about that. And what triggering events, I guess, what will tell you, okay. Uh, because the temptation is to keep doing more of the same, right? You mentioned yes. that, you know, let's, let's just grind it out in 10x, as Grant Cardone likes to say, uh, the stuff that got us to this point. But I know, and now you know, to get to the next level, you can't do that. So what, what, what triggering events or emotions or things that happen should people be looking for in this situation? Um, did these things are aligned. So when you look at uh, different aspects of running your business, um, you have different areas, like you have your product, you have your market, you have your customers, you have your operational systems, you have your management systems, you have your resources. 
and you have your organizational culture. And um, all of those aspects are different when your size is different. Even if you try to build a model of your company, um, there are certain sizes uh, where things fit clearly. So for instance, if you, if you have a 10 people business, you are the founder, you do the sales, you have one person helping you with the marketing, you probably have someone that runs your office, that's three. Uh, then you need a project manager and you, he can handle six developers. You don't have too many overheads. Uh, the six developers can generate enough revenue for everyone to have a fair salary and there's something on top. Uh, so you can, you can also profit as a business owner from the fact that you've built it. And this is a stable situation, okay? But when you want to grow, suddenly a lot of things has to change. It's ineffective to, uh, for one person to run more than seven people mm. on a daily basis, which means if you want to hire another developer and be able to sell his, uh, his service, you need to hire another project manager. Mm. So suddenly you had one uh, project manager with six developers. Now you need two project managers for only seven developers. And this is the moment when everything goes out of balance mm -hmm. because you suddenly have more overheads. Before you will be able to sell enough to have two teams of six, five, six developers with a project manager. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that sales, if you and your partner doing marketing are not capable of selling more than to fit the needs mm. of this, uh, of this uh, one team, you probably need more marketing or more sales force, mm -hmm. which adds to the overheads again. Mm. And before those overheads start to pay for themselves, so you hire a new person before he can, she can sell enough to be able to cover the new marketing workforce, the new sales workforce, the new project management uh, workforce, you are out of balance. You need to spend more than you make. So you need to have the resources to cover for that. And this is something you don't think about. And what, what, mm -hmm. what we did a lot of times is we rushed into this next level without thinking how our structure should look like and what is the real capacity in different areas of business that we need to have. And, um, and that was hard because you were, we were always trying to find balance all the time. But if you take it step by step, if you think about the model of your business, where are those points where it's stable, where you can really feel comfortable and gather the resources, make profit, put it on the side, to be able to cover the costs of getting out of balance and quickly jumping to the next phase where you can, again, feel a little comfortable, clear the, back, the, the backyard, clear the back office, prepare for the new processes, prepare for scaling to the next level. Um, if you plan it, it's much easier. Okay. Two things that I heard you say there. One, in order to grow, you need to increase the capacity first. You have to create the container for the, the next level of work to exist. Yeah, sure. It's like when you... If you, you can't if you sell ever it played, and then go create it. If you, ever, if you ever played an economic game mm -hmm. where you trade it, 
you need a bigger warehouse first mm. if you're selling out of the warehouse. But that means that trading much less than you could, you have to make enough to build this bigger warehouse. And, yeah. and that approach stays in the service business. You need to build your capacity and you need to have the right resources in order to get to the stable point where mm -hmm. your overheads and, uh, are, are covered by your sales and you can still grow uh, within this setup. Right. So, and that's the second thing is in order to accomplish this, you would better have reserves of cash set aside from the profitability of how you got to this point. Yeah. And that's not only about cash. It's also about your skills, mm. about your experience, about your mindset, uh, about your processes. You need to have things in order. Uh, if you, if, if you start it, if you have this 20 people company, you probably hired everyone by yourself. Mm. So um, everyone fitted with your vision of who your employee is, who your team member is, what values they have, how they approach the customer, uh, what's important for them, uh, how, how, how is the, the work culture. You understand it, you fit it. You, you sat together in one room and decided, hey, this, this clicks. We can do great things together. But when you're moving from 50 to 70, hmm. you're suddenly coming back from four days of holidays and you're meeting five new people <laughs> in your office. You've never seen them. You've never read their email. You've never talked to them. And yet they are there working with you. And two things can happen. You either just hired your first anonymous employee and you don't know where you're going or you made sure that the leadership team you have in, in, in place is able to continue with your spirit, with your culture, with your ethics, with your values. And you can make sure that even though there are no new people, you're already meeting the bigger team uh, so that they fit your dream, that they fit your company, that they fit your goals, not only on the skills part, but also uh, or mostly on the cultural part. Because in the long run, if you look at the five, 10 years horizon, organizational culture is the only thing that can win because every mm -hmm. other thing changes. Uh, the resources change. Hey, 10 years ago, there was more, no Bitcoin. And I'm not a, like some crazy crypto fund, but I definitely, uh, I definitely agree to get some Bitcoins right now. So there's a new resource, right? Worth billions of dollars. There are new people. There are new skills. There are new technologies. There are new products. There are new markets. 20 years ago, there was not a single mobile application, not a single dollar made from it. Right now, multi-billion business, new markets, new opportunities. And there are companies that can succeed in different setups, in different markets, in different eras, and everything changes. Everything, including top leadership. Like there's mm -hmm. no Bill Gates steering Microsoft anymore. There's no Steve Jobs steering Apple anymore. And yet both of those companies thrive. And, uh, and this is the lesson we need to get. So in the long run, it's not even the characteristics of the leader 
of the founder, of the CEO. But this is something more. This is something that stays in this community created in your company. Uh, this, this mindset, this ability to search for new ways of generating value, uh, for new ways of uh, building this win-win relationships between the management and the employees, between the employees and the company, the company and the customers, and the market and, and the environment where you come from. It's all very important and it all impacts um, each other. So I believe that if you are dreaming of a company that will last centuries or decades at least, you need to find a way to, to create a, an environment where people can change, where they can experiment, and when, where they can do it in a way that finds out what is really valuable. And, and when they find that part, you are able to bring it to the great scale very fast with as little friction as possible and focusing on the value for your customer. If you do that, that means if, if, you know, if we go blackout, we lose electricity, you still have an amazing team of people that are focused on doing great things that solve great problems for your customers and you can still do business. Hmm. If you know, a new world of opportunities opens with a new market, like, I don't know, VR probably someday will be a completely new market, just like mobile right now. And you have a team that knows how to find out the real need with the customer, be it a business need or a need for entertainment. If you know how to experiment with the product, how to act on feedback, how to build the right team, how to scale it, enable the right operations, if everything changes, you can still thrive delivering new value to the new markets, managing it in a new way. And uh, if you find your competitive advantage in your product, in the market you are, in the way you manage your people, this will end. Mm. Someday, someone will find out a new way of doing things, a better way. So the only, the only thing that can make you stay in a leadership position as an organization is when you can adopt to the new change and make it great again and again with new reality. All right. Culture keeps coming up as the number one thing uh, in, in the interviews that we've been doing. It makes, if you're saying, you know, you can only delegate to seven people or manage seven people, that those relationships had better be good then between you as the founder and those key people that you're, you're delegating or, or uh, managing because they are probably going to be the department heads as you grow and uh, hiring while you're away, like you pointed out. So you want them to make decisions that would be very similar, if not identical to the ones that you would make. Uh, I wouldn't agree that much. I would say I expect them to make better decisions than I did. Mm, okay. there's, a di there's a completely different mindset from my perspective. When you are a founder, an entrepreneur, uh, doing third steps, having five, ten people, and when you become the CEO, mm -hmm. you have 40, 50 people and you want to grow. 
So the job description is completely different. If you're an entrepreneur, your job is to do everything that is needed and you cannot afford a better person to do. But at some point, this changes. And this changes to becoming unnecessary to any operation. And uh, it's really easy to test the last part. Okay? You just go on holidays for a month tomorrow. <laughs> you come back, and if your company is on the right track of growth, and so it's one month better than last time you've been at it, that means you have sorted it out. Hmm. And, and, and this is really my actual advice. If you believe you're ready for the next level, that means you are not required for the company to succeed in the current operations because you need to start new operations. Hmm. So those that were important up to this date, your team must be able to handle it. And this is actually something that happened to me and uh, a few times. I mean, I got sick. I had to get out hmm. of the operations and I found out, hey, uh, you don't need to micromanage. Every leader has a, I met, mm -hmm. I know myself, uh, has this urge to micromanage. You look at those people and you see that this is some mistake that you already made two years ago and you can just explain them. But explaining doesn't mean anything. Mm. You need people that either already are or will become better than you have, will ever be. Uh, in your field of expertise. So if you are a software developer, you love software, you love programming, you love designing software, don't start your business because you will not be designing software, you will be not programming, you will be not testing, you will be not deciding on environments, languages, on anything related to tech. Your, the number of tech decisions I made during last year was zero. Even though I coded our first products myself, um, zero. So if your dream is to grow the product and have a lot of decisions in your hand, hey, find, find a company that will empower you to, to be the head of product, to be the CTO. But if you decide one day you want to make your own business, you want to be a single founder, you want to move your company forward, you will not be doing any of the expertise things that you sell today. Not a single one. So I haven't seen an IDE for, I don't know, five years probably. And uh, these are things that you have to let go. And sometimes it's hard. I, I loved uh, working as business analytics, defining requirements and mm -hmm. modeling systems, deciding on algorithms, choosing the technology stack. That, I loved that. But if I kept doing that, who, will, who would run the company? So right. there are different changes that you need to do inside your mind uh, with your team. And those things are important. But you said one thing that, that, that came to my head right now. You said that uh, a lot of discussions end up with talking about culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to make one uh, remark uh, like from the other point of view. The important thing with growing a business is focusing on the right thing 
at the right stage. So if you have your five first customers and you're fighting to hire, I don't know, the third person, hey, don't, don't build 10 pages PDF about your culture. Don't start doing workshops on your company values and definitely, definitely don't hire a graffiti artist to make a beautiful visualization of your values because this is not how culture is built. And this is not your focus at the moment. You have different stages, you have different focuses. If you don't have a great product, hmm. there's no point in aggressively acquiring customers because you, you, you are like, you're losing the impact. You're spending mm -hmm. money to get to the people and they look at your job and they say, this is crap. So unless you have a product that the customer excited about, there's no point of spending money on anything else than getting to the next customer, acting on their feedback until you have something great. And the same goes with, goes with culture. If you are not able to build a great product, you focus on building a great product. And starting to, to think about culture and making a culture before it happens, culture is something that happens. It eventually guides you on who do you want to hire, who do you want to fire, and who do you want to promote. This is what culture is about. Culture is about making sure that you have the right people at the right position doing the right things. And this all ends up with how you, how you manage your people. So you're not always very comfortable with hiring some people that you'd love to. You sometimes work with people that you can work with. And that doesn't mean it will be worse. The culture, you will create it together. As you build a team, you adjust to each other, you learn from each other, you start to think alike because you, you have the social dynamics between you. And um, I only found out that culture was really, really important uh, a few years ago. And uh, when, when we had some uh, misunderstandings on the team and uh, we saw that Hiring new per new people was changing too much uh, mm. in our team, and uh, uh, I had a chance of speaking with uh, with uh, with Anya uh, Anya, who's uh, who's who gave me a lot of good advice on building culture. Uh, she's been the one of the heads of Coca Cola in Poland, mm. and uh, she gave me this advice: go and spend. Uh, 30, 40 minutes with every person in the company mm -hmm. and ask them what the company culture is, what is important, what makes you different, why do you want to spend your time here? And mm -hmm. this is what I did. Uh, beginning of this year, first three months, uh, I spent more than 50 hours talking to every person at the company uh, starting from uh, the interns and uh, up to the investor that uh, we have, asking them, why are you doing business with us? Why are, why are you staying here? Why aren't you working with Google, making two times as much as you do right now? Um, 
And that, it showed me what was really valuable for people, uh, how they approached it, what, what Neoteric meant for them. And, uh, and we could benchmark it with mm -hmm. the workshop on values that we had with our board. And we found out that uh, the situations, the approaches, the atmosphere, the actions that people uh, admire, they are aligned with our values. And those who were not nice, uh, who were pointed out as a source of stress or, or something that they wouldn't like to see, those things were not in line with our values. So we could confirm that mm -hmm. our approach to the culture, what we would like to build, is something that the team really appreciates. And that was a starting point of incorporating those things uh, in a more structured way of doing things. So instead of blindly throwing, uh, blindly throwing perks at people at our job ads, we knew that uh, the atmosphere of family and the appreciation of family is something that, that is important, that people like, that people mention, that it's nice that some of us from time to time can bring a kid to work. Just for a couple of hours and no one is uh, disturbed by that and everyone is happy to, to see your kid uh, and that is okay. And that is okay for you to leave midday because your daughter has a, a show at her kindergarten and you want to be a part of it. So all of the stuff uh, that we've learned from people that were important to us, we said hey, family is important to us, but we saw that there are situations in our day-to-day -day life at work where they see that this family is important. So, uh, for instance, uh, we, as many companies, we provide medical uh, package uh, as a part of the benefit. Mm -hmm. But we decided that if you have a kid, you get the package for your family. So this is not like, you know, oh, everyone has uh, foosball we need foosball. No, we found out that the family part, that the value of the family is important for us as, as the management, for me as a founder, for my co-founders, for our team members, that they show that some family values are in order on a daily basis. And we wanted to strengthen this value that we wanted to, uh, that we wanted to. So if the culture leads you to decision about how you offer, uh, how you create your own job offering. This is how it naturally impacts who you hire and who you fire. And it doesn't end with some culture book when you ask people, hey, is family important for you? I don't know, you want some kids? No, oh, you're not fitting. <laughs> this is not how it works. Um, so that was an important lesson for me that culture is something that already is there. It's already at your company. And you have to learn it. You have to find it out. You have to see how it interacts with your imagination of that culture and how you can strengthen the parts that are important for you. So you would want to affect it, though, I mean, and direct it a bit, wouldn't you? Of you course. You just want to leave it there completely organic. I mean, you want to inject some, some core principles and values in there. I mean, a lot of young people today, I find, just want to make money. Right? And they're scrambling to make money at, at any cost, right? They don't care about values yet. 
I don't know. I mean, um, there's a big discussion about millennials and, mm -hmm. uh, or even uh, the next generations. And uh, there's a lot of uh, criticism uh, about that. And what I see is completely different. Mm. Um, maybe it's, uh, it's because, uh, because of the, you know, the, we were a little later with this, uh, with this uh, trends here. Uh, in Central Europe, due to many reasons. Uh, so, uh, but but anyway, mm, I see that young people uh, they are not about just making money. Mm -hmm. uh, how I see it is, they have their dreams and they want to live today. Mm. Okay, they don't have this mindset that I got from my parents that you need to study hard and put your uh, you know, party animal aside and just focus on getting good grades, focus on getting good job, focus on getting a nice wife, focus on getting an apartment and focus on having the next, uh, you know, promotion. Uh, and then after 30 years, you will be able to afford a nice house, a nice car, a nice holidays. And and this is very close to my heart. I'm the same. I say, bullshit. I don't want to wait 30 years for holidays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to go for holidays now. So how can I do it? Okay. I, I can go for holidays to, to Georgia or to Ukraine or to Vietnam. Uh, and I can put my money aside to be able to do it. And I, I don't have to, you know, go for a five-star hotel on... Uh, you know, Long Beach, uh, all inclusive with uh, with a helicopter bringing me from the airport. Okay, so there's in, in different aspects of our lives, like leisure, uh, taking care of your kids, car, apartment. There are offerings for different people, and the thing is, in order for you to be able to focus fully on your work while you're at it is to take all of the other stress from you so you can focus on your job. How do you do it? So your sense of happiness in a simple way is the difference between your expectations and what you get. So if you expect to be able to drive your own car and you're in a job that pays you too little to have your own car, you will be frustrated at best, look for special gigs, get distracted, try to find a way to buy this car, then this car needs maintenance, it adds more cost, you still not make enough money, and this comes to frustration. You're not very good at work, you're not very happy at home. And um, what's the solution? The solution is when you pay people enough for them to make a living they want. And if you are honest with yourself and with your people, they are honest with you, and you will find out that they have reasonable expectations. So I don't meet 20-year-old people who tell me that they need to drive a new Porsche and live in a 2,000-square-foot mansion. No, oh, they are 20-year-old. They are comfortable driving a 10-year-old car. They are comfortable sharing a flat with a friend, but they will not ask themselves if they can make 
enough to go for movies in the evening or buy a beer. So you need to understand what your people expect and pay them enough so they don't ask themselves how to make another 100,000 bucks or whatever. If you find that sweet spot, then their motivation is completely outside of cash. Hmm. And you need to make it fair and you need to remember that people are developing themselves as well. So this 20-year-old guy that was okay driving a 10-year-old car and living with a friend gets 25. He wants to get married. He wants a family car. He wants it new. He wants a kindergarten for his kids. And he wants holidays with his family. And that means totally different salary. Mm -hmm. Okay? So there are only two ways. Either during these five years, you, the leader, and your organization learn to generate enough value from what your employee brings to the team so that he's worth much more and you mm. can pay him much more so he can live the way he expects or it will not work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. You can always say, hey, that was great. Now it's time for you to move on to the next place that can pay you better. We are still small. We are still learning. We still haven't found uh, our place. And maybe we don't need someone that's senior at this moment. Right. Uh, so sometimes being fair and being like a great team also means to let go. Okay. And I'm also hearing, again, that the change in the leader's focus as the, the time goes on and the organization expands. Right. That I think true. that might be a theme. That is true. Here. I got fired. I got fired in May from every <laughs> operations by, by my uh, business partner, by Matt. Uh, Matt is our COO. Mm -hmm. So in May, um, we decided that I will not uh, run any department. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, been, uh, I've been keeping track on sales and marketing up that time. Uh, but we decided that if you want to advance uh, faster, this is the time where I have to focus on our company and not work in it okay. and that was the next big step for us so right now i'm i'm only helping my team make the, the hardest decisions but i don't even make them my own uh, so I, I advise them i ask questions uh, I, I i tell them to read something find out something check something uh, get someone on consultation read a book but i i try not to make the decisions or not to directly impact the decision uh, myself and it freed me and uh, and and that led us to uh, to identifying what are the true obstacles for us uh, to to grow uh, to grow uh, further and uh, we've been able to hire a new head of business uh, we've been able to make a very very important strategic workshops for ourselves uh, to start some important partnerships that will only pay off in a year. But that's mm. okay because my COO is responsible for what happens during this year. I don't have to worry about where are we going to be in a year. I know where we're going to be because we have agreed that this is the place. Uh, and I believe him. I trust him. I know that he will deliver on it. And 
and that gives me a space to to make the strategic decisions those that will impact our well-being in two three five years and uh, and this is the next stage for me not to be involved in any operations uh, daily uh, to identify key strategic hirings to make sure that those new people in leadership roles uh, follow the the path of our culture so that you said that culture changes and that you want to impact the change mm. this is how you do it you want your culture to be more polite you hire a person that uh, that's that's an authority to your team <laughs> that is more polite mm. and expects being more polite and then everyone fits in um so yeah, my job uh, changed again. I'm very excited because uh, strategic management seems yeah, a new thing, probably more exciting than anything that I've been doing so far. Um, so it's nice, but I wish there was much, uh, many, many more places where you can, where you can learn hmm. how to get from 50 people to 500. There are top managers, top books, at top universities teaching you how to get from 500 people to 1,000, from 1,000 to 50,000, or from 50,000 to half a million. There are hundreds of events and blogs telling you how to start with just your laptop and get to mm -hmm. those 10, 20 people. And how the fuck do you get from 20 to 500? Mm -hmm. That's the question. <laughs> Right. That, that is the niche that uh, Cold Star is operating in <laughs> right there. So I've really enjoyed this, Matt. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and your business? Uh, so generally, neoteric.eu, this is the website from the, for the main business. Uh, but I actually scheduled sending my personal newsletter uh, today mm. on review. Um, I can send you a link later. Maybe yeah. someone wants sure. to see, uh, you know, I, I don't make any promises. Uh, I just send it a couple of the, a few times a year, um, sharing some important stuff I learned and a few books that I read. Uh, so about me, probably the, the easiest way is just to reach out. I'm happy to talk with anyone who struggles with the same things or who actually uh, who actually is trying to, to build new software to innovate, to, mm -hmm. to find a, a new way of doing things to scale because technology, as Bill Gates said, is just a way to scale things up. If you apply technology to something that's efficient, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes it exponentially more efficient. This is what, uh, what happens when you, uh, when you apply uh, machine learning to Netflix and it mm -hmm. starts to offer you better movies to watch. But if you apply the same technology in something that is really, really bad, like the way we make political decisions, mm -hmm. then you end up with, uh, with challenges that Facebook had with Cambridge Analytica and uh, the whole world with fake news. This mm -hmm. is the same technology. One has been applied to things that work, okay? I watched a nice movie, and something learned to show me more nice movies. It's awesome. But the same technology 
learned to show me things that maybe are not that good to watch. <laughs> so uh, with that, uh, I, think, I think that's all. All right. Well, our guest today on the Cold Star Project has been Matt Corledo. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you.